Hello and welcome to another episode of When Tomorrow Kings Meadow, the podcast that focuses on the Chelsea FC women's team. Uh, I'm your host Dean and on the show this week we'll be looking at some potential incomings to Kings Meadow this season and a general overview of Emma Hayes' squad. Uh, before we get started, just a big thank you to our Patreons for their continued support. Um, this episode will be available to you for about two weeks, so if you're listening to this podcast and you're not a Patreon, um, then you're really missing out. Um, you can head to www.patreon.com forward slash Kingsmode to sign up. Uh, you will not regret that, I promise. Uh, now, joining me as ever this week is my wonderful co-host Jane. Jane, how are you doing? Yeah, I'm doing good, thank you. It feels like forever since we actually last it's been recorded a while. podcast. We've brought season yeah. since we last recorded, so that's exciting. Yes. Just, what, two months to go? Maybe more. Um, we couldn't do this alone, though. We need people to know what they're talking about. Um, the first is the Champions League final photographer, Mia Erickson. Mia, how are you doing? Yeah, I'm good. It's summer and hot and, you know, everything. Yeah, Mia's got England's hot weather that lasted four days before we went back <laughs> to winter. Um, yeah. It seems to be sticking around in Sweden for a lot longer. Um, and also joining us is the CFCW social editor, Rob Prattley. Rob, how are you doing? Yeah, I'm, I'm good. I noticed you say you're one of people who know what they're talking about, so I'm a bit confused why I'm here, but, you know, it's good to be here. Come on, Rob, you know you know everything. That's why, I'm, <laughs> that's why you're the editor-in-chief. Right, um, how I thought I'd do this is we go through the squad by position, um, see what players we've already got in the team, and then list some signings that we potentially might like to come in. Um, what we've also done is include the players' ages, because I think that's quite important in planning, you know, where you're going to sign and, and who you're bringing in. So, Jane, let's start with the goalkeepers. So, the goal, goalkeepers we've got at the club are Aaron Katchenberger, who's 30, Zakira Mesovic, who's 25, Emily Orman, who's 18, and Carly Telford, who's 33. Yeah, this is one position, Jane, I think we're sort of okay to not worry about. Um, you know, at the start of the season when we started recording, I was a bit critical of AKB, especially her distribution. But as the season developed, you know, so did she. And, you know, she was absolutely superb, wasn't she? Yeah, Anne Kutchenberg has had a fantastic season. And I will be very, very shocked if we see another goalkeeper get brought into the squad. I think with the likes of Emmy Orman coming through the development and Carly going into more of a, like, coaching role, I think we have got a strong... We don't need no more goalkeepers at the minute. You know, you've got almost the perfect blend. You sort of Mia, as a as a fellow Swede, you know a bit more about Sakira than than the most. Uh, my gut feeling is after a good preseason, she's probably ready to start challenging AKB for that number one, you know, slot. Um, do you think Emma could go with her sort of next season, or is AKB still going to be her number one? Well, I think she was ready to compete for for the first spot when she got there. That's why she was brought in. Um, I mean, I've heard her talk about uh, herself and what she wants a lot. She was actually actually in a podcast um, a couple of months ago talking about this. So I think she's definitely ready to to compete for it. That's why she's there. Um, she wouldn't have gone to Chelsea if she if she wasn't. Mm. Yeah, I know Emma, Emma spoke about giving her that sort of blending in time, but she seemed to fit into the squad really quickly. You know, does that help having sort of Magda and, and Jonna there? Um, and that is a Scandinavian influence in this squad, isn't it? Yeah, we can talk about that later, but I, I think we, we see that uh, other clubs um, use this as a strategy at the moment. Yeah, Rob, what's your thinking on sort of the goalkeeping position? You've got AKB's you know, into her 30s now, Sakura is 25, sort of coming into her peak of her powers. What do you make of that next season? I mean, I'm of the belief that goalkeepers can sort of play into in sort of, you know, into their late 30s anyway, because it's a different position to the rest of the pitch. It has different rigours. Um, I think, you know, AKB has probably, for me, been the pound for pound the player of the season in terms of performance compared to what we possibly expected. Because I think we both expected Fran Kirby and Sam Kerr to be world-class. I don't think people necessarily expected that from AKB. Um, and sort of, you know, there's been that incredible step up. I think rightly, you know, the, the moment for me that won the season is not a goal this season. It's the fact of that save against Manchester City. Um, so I think you're fine in that position. Obviously, I think Carly is sort of a third-choice option 
in the coaching role, having, you know, spoken to her, there's no better person in that. No one would more, you know, been there, done that experience and is a great person from Ormond to learn for, from. I think it's also worth looking at a loan deal if we can get her out playing first team minutes because that's so important for goalkeepers and for their development, even at a young age. In terms of, as a, as a killer, it's um, a bit of a sort of interesting one, I think, in that I think she'll be disappointed about not getting more chances. But I think it's now going to be a case that when she gets the chances, she has to really, really impress because the gauntlet has been thrown. And, you know, you wouldn't change a winning formula in any other position. And you certainly wouldn't do it in the goalkeeping position. So, yeah, I think that's, you know, position of least interest. I know Chelsea are looking at one or two very young players. So, you know, we're talking 16-year-olds at other academies. But that, I think, more is to bring them in, probably, you know, bed them into the development squad um, for the next couple of years. So, Again, it's not really worth mentioning sort of names specifically there. But it's clear that hopefully the club want to try and make it a more sustainable position internally because I know Ormond is very, very highly rated. Um, and I believe there is someone else at the club who is highly rated in the position. And if you can start, you know, gradually bringing that through, then you can start spending the funds elsewhere. Yeah, I know Emma spoke about using the academy um, earlier this year when talking mm-hmm. about potential summer signings. Uh, yeah, the goalkeeper one for me is quite boring. So um, let's move on. Jane, let's go to the fullbacks. So right back, Chelsea have got Marin Mielder, who's 31, Jess Carter, who's 23, and Neve Charles, who's 22 tomorrow. At left back, we've got Yona Anderson, who's 28, Hannah Bunder, who's 27, and, and Carter and Charles, again, providing backup. Probably, for me, the most interesting position we're going to look at today, it comes pretty, pretty early on in the podcast, uh, so it made sense that I got Rob on the show. Rob, you're questioning why, you know, this is it, fullback. Yeah, that, that, that makes all sense. Yeah. Is there a case to be made that we need to buy, you know, a right back and a left back this summer? It's difficult. Obviously, with uh, Maramielu, I think you probably maybe wait six months and see how the recovery goes from the injury. Because I think if she's back at her full peak of powers and you've got Neem Charles as a backup, I think that's probably the strongest in WSL. Um if not one of the strongest in Europe, because she's one of the best young fullbacks in Neem Charles and Maramiel is just so consistent and so solid. So I think right back's less of an issue. Left back to me is the one where if that real top, top player did become available, then, and here I'm talking about, you know, like a really, really sort of top option, someone like Hannah Glass or sort of, you know, a real sort of real quality operator in that position. Um, that's where I'd consider, you know, putting the real eggs into the basket, I suppose. Because I think John Anderson is a great player at WSL level. And I think she's very underrated. But I'm not necessarily sure she's quite of that level to take the step up to top um, club international football. And I think Jess Carter, while I think she's very solid at fullback, I think she lacks a certain, again, a certain something going forward. I think she's too similar to Jonna. Um, in that she's a bit too, more defensive, John's a bit more attacking, but they both lack swing in the other area. And you'd be fine to have them as a number two. Either of them would be a fantastic option at number two. But at number one, you just feel like, you know, if you could get something that combined the best elements of them both, and albeit that's very rare at fullback, but that's sort of, you know, the sort of thing we have with Mara Mielder and we're starting to get with Neem Charles, then you suddenly, you know, you're quids in. Yeah, me and Rob mentioned, you know, John are there. Um, left out of the Champions League final in favour of you know, Jess Carter and, and Neve Charles and you know we know how that worked worked out for us do you think Emma's going to look definitely for a left back I know we were linked with and I'm probably going to pronounce this wrong uh, Karchow maybe it's, it, uh, it's in small one yeah Karchow I mean the, the links with Karchow turn up every single summer and continue to you know not go away from what I understand there's interest in from the club but Emma Hayes ultimately has the final say on everything. And she's a bit concerned about the fact that there have been rumours that the player has caused issues at other clubs. Um, and this is one of the other things is that Chelsea really likes settling the dressing room and they won't want to try and unsettle it, I think, this summer, especially when they know, you know, they're so close to something incredibly, incredibly special at the club. And it's just a case of getting that, you know, final bits and pieces of the jigsaw in. Um, I think, you know, the player is probably available in this summer and it's possible Chelsea can sort of you know, do business for them. But I think it's at the moment, I think it's unlikely, but equally, you know, they are a very, very good player. 
is just whether you sacrifice, you know, the perception of dressing room harmony for someone who undoubtedly is a top player in that position. Yeah, Mia, what's sort of your sort of take on the fullbacks? You know, Rob mentioned Hannah Glass, but you know, Rolf. Uh, she, she's a right back, so. I'm, I don't thinking, think... I'm thinking the Hannah Glass is you'd sign her and then probably play Neem Charles at left back because I think Neem Charles could play and he's a very good option at both on both sides. I think you could get away if you had Hannah Glass and Mara Mielder, you almost make Mielder number two and you've got probably, I think, the strongest right back pairing in world football, in all honesty. And then at left back, you bring someone in, you have Neem Charles as the number two and you maybe use Jess Carter as the utility sort of option. I think that way you probably lose you probably end up losing Yana. But this is where I think is really difficult is there are three players now for me in Neem Charles due to her age, Jess Carter due to her versatility, but also due to, you know, the perceived lack of attacking depth. And Yona Anderson for her attacking ability, but the lack of the defensive ability, I think, is where I, where I think, you know, is where we're currently falling down. Is there are three players that are all too sort of similar. I mean if I was to for a real um, sort of, you know, bit of a sort of interesting name, the player I'd really like to see um, sort of signed in it. And again, it won't happen, but I personally think that if there was any chance to bring in, and it won't happen, but if there's any chance to bring in a, on a, a battle from Manchester United, won't happen. But I think, you know, that's the sort of player that, we should look at and United I don't think will sell cheaply and I don't think it'll happen but if you can bring in a player of that quality again for the position I think that's you know a real bonus again yeah I think yeah yeah I think it I think like this of course I'm uh, I'm for Jonah but also I think it's kind of a bit I talked to someone about this the other day because I think that if you look if you look at Jonah playing versus the US uh, as a wing back in a 3 4 3 formation with Sweden, they play 1 1. The US didn't uh, exploit mm. uh, like Wolfsburg and, and these European players. I think it's all about look at what you have in the squad and make the most of it. Don't. Um, always stick to 442 uh, formation if it's not if you if you have to look at what you what your opponents are and I, I personally think that that has been if if there should be any criticism uh, towards Emma Hayes it might be the fact that she's a great coach but not not necessarily well why don't change things while the game is going on mm-hmm. because to say that a player like Jonna is is not level with the best in Europe and mm-hmm. then you see her what play versus the US uh, and it works like a charm I think it it becomes a bit yeah where where is the problem really I suppose um, my, my argument to that would be in, in terms of the sort of, you know, playing sort of a 3-4-3 three, three or a 5-3-2, however you want to sort of dress it up, I think there are players in our squad that are more important to the system than Jon Anderson. And by doing that, and I don't think, for example, we've got the centre-backs to play three at the back at the moment. Um, I know so Aniak Nguyen, who's coming, could be an option at there, but I don't think realistically we can play a three at the back with our current centre-backs. Um I don't think we've got, got two. Right. We only have got yeah. two centre backs, well, so it's. Well, it's well, they, well, no, I'm working on the basis that we're at coming in, but even then, I don't think Magda and Millie Bright are the right players for a three at the back. I think you may, you know, you're looking at potentially trying to put someone like Jess Carter in at centre back, and I don't think that's a, you know, the right solution again. It's the versatility issue. In the midfield, I don't think we've got the right players to play a two person midfield, because um, I think, you know, you lose. If you're playing Liverpool's and Ingle, I think you lose a lot of the creativity. And if you're playing with sort of a three-person midfield, well, you're probably thinking, I'd say, Liverpool's, Ingle, and then one other of G or harder, because you can't at the moment drop Kirby or Sam Kerr. And you can't, you know, it, it's impossible to drop them. So I think you've, we end up in a position in a way where there are so many players that have ended up undroppable. 
and formations have to be put around them because when the one time we tried to experiment with it an experiment out of that 4-4-2 this season was that Brighton game because we started that Brighton game and played with the sort of more of the I think it was a 4-5-1 initially and then experimenting at times of 3-4-3 and it didn't work and it looked really unbalanced yeah I think I agree with Rob that you know you need to provide a formation that gets the best out of those you know, three attacking players in Kirby, Harder and Kerr because they are undoubtedly world-class. Jane, Jane, quickly on the full-backs, you know, you've got Marin coming back from injury, so you don't know what level she's going to be at. You've got um, you know, Carter and Charles. Is that enough depth for us to be going to the Champions League again next season and, and expecting to win it? You know, I think if we started that Champions League final with Marin and, and John, it's not a 4-0 four, four game. I don't say necessarily win, but it's, it's much closer than it was. You know, is there a case, as Rob said, looking at someone just for depth to cover rather than a starter? Yeah, I think, like Rob said, with that, the depth, I think maybe you could get someone that's got enough depth there. I think the Champions League final could have been a completely different game if we did have Marin back. Obviously, with her injury, we don't know how she's going to return. She might come back like Fran did and have this fantastic season or she might be a bit slower. So in some ways you think maybe getting another player in to just cover us would be the better option. But then if Emma's thinking Marin's going to have a good recovery and be back on like top form in a couple of months, she might think there's no point getting another player in. Mm. Yeah, like I said, this is going to be the position that, that's most interesting. You know, let's move on to centre-backs before you know, Rob burst a blood vessel on all full-backs. <laughs> Who have we got, Jane? Um, so Chelsea have already got captain Magda Eriksson, who's 27. Millie Bright, who's also 27. The new sign-in, Anik Noen, I think that's how you pronounce it, who's 24. And another option is Sophie Ingle, who's 29. Yeah, Mia, when I sort of got the players' ages, it actually shocked me that Magda and Millie were 27 because I just felt like they were nearer 30. Um, so originally I was thinking you need a top centre-back to come in this summer. Um but, you know, you've probably got three or four years that Magda at, you know, a very, very high level. Um, so, you know, do we, do you think we need a top signing or just another, you know, backup squad player to come in the centre-half? I, I think also this is what, uh, I mean, I just checked um, Anouk, uh, no one today, uh, up a little bit more. And she's very similar uh, in playing style to Magda very good ball carrying and good at progressing uh, up the pitch. Um, and I think that Millie and Magda are quite similar as well. Um, I think the centre-back position is uh, the most hard one and tough one to, you know, replace or not replace or, and who do you going to take in? Because I think it, that's the, that's, the pair that has to really trust each other and to know each other and more than rather than what their abilities are. Mm. Um, I think there's no no other position on the football pitch that that is so hard to break down. Um, it's like for us now with Sweden, our two centre backs uh, who who has played uh, together since the Olympics last time. Uh, they're out and then you say Magda is the number one op option but they are so um, different uh, in playing style so it's hard to it just have to be the two right center backs for each other I think more than bringing in a top one because Anouk she's she's a starter for the Netherlands so if that's not a top player, then what is? Yeah, no. yeah Rob, obviously, we've already signed Jernik. Um, so that's three centre-backs, you know, traditional yeah. centre-backs. Do you think there needs to be one more, you know, looking at you know, maybe someone like Amy Turner from Man United who's out of contract? Um, yeah. She's more than good enough to play WSL games. She can rest, sort of, Magda. Uh, yeah. I mean, it, it comes to, I think, a couple of... A couple of situations in that there's the there's not option you know to bring in someone like that or maybe you look for someone a bit younger like Myla Tissier and I mean the club I, I will say the club have watched Myla Tissier and do like the player but again there is a feeling from her perspective is there going to be enough minutes 
uh, on the table. And that's also, again, why Chelsea looked at Ruby Mace, um, because Ruby Mace was happy to stay in London. But again, she wants assurances over minutes. And the club aren't going to do that, I suspect, because of the nature of how strong the squad is. Um, so I think, you know, someone like Amy Turner is possibly a, a sensible solution, although it feels like, you know, if you're going to sort of do that, you almost want to sort of, if someone like Marla CCA is available because of the quality and pedigree of her as a young player and the fact even if she's not playing, she will learn so much from Millie Bright and Magda Eriksson and Annie Agnone. It, it makes sense to bring them in, I think. I know there's also some players in the academy, again, at centre-back position that sort of are considered to be options to sort of come forward and come up as well. So you might just see, you know, them filling it that way. Yeah. Jamie, if I'm being hypercritical, I think you could upgrade Millie Bright. And I really like her as a player. But, you know, I think if you want to be you know, ruthless about winning the Champions League, I think that is one position that you could upgrade. Having said that, her partnership with Magda is very important. You know, she's a you know, a huge leader in the dressing room. Are you happy with those you know, two as first choice? Yeah, obviously, Magda and Millie's partnership is so strong. And we noticed that in the Brighton game when I think, I think it was Millie that was rested, or was it Magda? I can't actually remember. But you sh- like you could see when one of them, when it was only one of them playing and they weren't playing together, there was that lack in partnership within that within that like pair. So I think if you're going to get a player to come in in that role, you need someone that's going to work well with either one of them and can show the same performance that the two of them showed together. Yeah, as Mia said, you know the bright centre back rather than the top one. Um, I think there's going to be one more you know, as, as cover. I think we were very short last season and when Magda got injured, it, it showed um, in those big games. Let's move up the field, though, to midfield. Um, Jane, who have we got there? So Emma's options in midfield are Sophie Ingle, who's 29, Melanie Leopold, who's 27, Jiso Young, who's 30, Drew Spence, who's 28, Erin Cuthbert, who's 22, Guru Wrighton, who's 26, and Jesse Fleming, who's 23. Yeah, Mia, the midfield was the big area that got overrun in that night in Yotabury. Um, <laughs> Sophie and G are not getting any younger. Uh, we've been linked with Keisha Celia from Lyon, and who's out of contract, and a big money move for him, Atania Bonmati of Barcelona. Um, what would she sort of do for our midfield if she, if she was signed? Uh, the latter one would... Uh, provide an option to play with two midfielders, I think, uh, in front of um, uh, the centre back, uh, the back line. Um, she's a great DM. And I think that, in all honesty, I, I don't think Chelsea has a proper DM. Uh, Melanie Lopez uh, didn't play um, that role. She has been playing uh, for Chelsea when she was in Bayern. Um, she's uh, flexible, uh, I'm sure. I, I spoke to to uh, one that had worked with uh, with her and in Bayern, and she, this person said that uh, Melanie Lopez was very flexible, and she could um, she could even play in the back line, and that's what I think. But if you're going to look at an Take a look at players like Lena Oberdorf or Ingrid Engen. Uh, Chelsea don't have uh, a player like that. Um, so if Bonmati uh, from Barcelona would sign uh, for Chelsea, I think that that give, gives uh, that option. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Rob, we saw through sort of most of the WSL. Chelsea played with you know the four-two-three-one um, towards the back end. That went to one defensive midfielder because of the superiority over the opponents. But in all the big games, it was a free in midfield. So what would what in those three would you think needs upgrading the most? You know, the holding midfielder or one of those two sort of number eights? It's, it's really difficult because I think they're all brilliant players. But I think it's the sort of thing where, again, Bomati in the Champions League final, when you win 4-0 in a Champions League final and the defensive midfielder... Um, gets player of the match. You know it's something, you know, quite special. Well, Matty is the sort of player that if you bring her in, I think, A, you elevate everything else. But B, it also means in the tougher games, you have an option to start with, say, maybe sort of Ingle and herself in front of the back four, and then maybe someone like uh, 
either Leupold's or sort of Cuthbert just in front of that more mobile option while adding so much stability. And that's what I think we need in big games is the lack of that stability because at times they do tend to get away from us a little bit in terms of a bit of a basketball match. Um, I think, you know, pound for pound, pound for pound, if there's someone of creative on the quality of G, I think you could replace G purely because of her age. But I don't think there is. Melanie Lerpoles, I think, had a great season, although she struggled a bit in the Champions League final. I think she was, you know, excellent last season. And with Aaron Cuthbert sort of as that option in that position, I think you've got two good options. In terms of Sophie Ingle, the other thing about, I think you, that's why you need an extra player, a proper defensive fielder, because if she's injured, that's when we really miss her. And we saw that in games where either Ingle had to drop into the centre-back position and we didn't have a proper defensive midfielder to come in, or she was injured. And we just got overrun in the midfield, like against um, Wolfsburg in the first leg. First leg, yeah, against Wolfsburg, when, you know, the midfield was completely overrun uh, because Ingle was dropped back into the centre-backs. And if you have someone else in there, and again, Oberdorf or Engen would be another option. I mean, Oberdorf for me would be the one, along with Bonmatti, because she looks an absolutely brilliant, brilliant prospect. But again... I don't think Wolfsburg are going to want us to come and just take their next star player again, having already taken one star player from them. Um, well, Matty, I think, you know, I think realistically players could leave Barcelona this summer because it's going to be very hard to top what they've done. And it kind of will feel to some of them like a bit of an end of an era sort of thing. You've achieved the project. And I think in, you know, if Chelsea win the Champions League in a year's time, they will have the same experience because it's harder to keep a winning squad together when people want to try new challenges out. However, I also know Leon really want to push this summer and they want to make a load of big money signings. Again, I know they've been linked with Lindsay sort of Horan and they think they've you know got that wrapped up. The Miedemar deal continues to not go away completely. And I think, you know, I suspect there's still some legs in that with Arsenal signing Nikita Paris. I think there's still some legs in the Miedemar deal. And they're also being linked with Bomati and sort of Alexi and other sort of top names. So I think, yeah, defence midfield is the one where there's an option to sort of replace or sort of bring another, I wouldn't necessarily replace, but I'd say bring in cover and competition because I think that's where that's really needed. Yeah, me and Rob spoke about sort of replacing and, you know, in the WSL, Chelsea obviously have a squad capable of winning it because they've, they've done it, you know, this season. But, you know, that level that we saw between them and Barcelona in Champions League shows that if they do want to be, you know, there next season and, and be the Barcelona and winning it, perhaps they do need to be more ruthless and replace some of these players that are very, very good WSL level, but perhaps not that next step up, you know, in Europe, don't they? Well, yeah, I think it's... It's the thing. I think we all thought that uh, Chelsea had a good draw in the Champions League this season. Mm. Uh, by playing Wolfsburg and Bayern, Bayern Munich, because I think, and if I'm going to be um, objective about this, I we can look at the Manchester City game uh, at the Academy Stadium as well. Uh, that game kind of reflected what had happened in the games versus Wolfsburg and in the first leg versus Bayern. Uh, lucky to get away with that point. Also, it's a great team, great players, and luck comes with quality. As a, it's it's a fact. But I think that uh, Chelsea uh, versus Man- Manchester City showed that Manchester City developed, you know, further into into the league than Chelsea did. Chelsea played stable and with quality all all the season. Mm. Uh, so I think. Uh, yeah, Chelsea has a squad. Have a squad that will definitely compete for for the WSL title next season. But I think that uh, I'm going to be ruthless here now because I think it's going to be hard for Chelsea to go far in the Champions League next season. Uh, looking at uh, the signings that Bayern Munich uh, have been doing this mm. summer, uh, looking at what Lyon um, is doing. Um, and what Lyon has have um, that Chelsea doesn't have at the moment is the experience to know what kind of players you need to win the Champions League with. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
yeah. and Wolfsburg will not be a bad team next season as well. Uh, and Chelsea struggled uh, versus these sides. Yeah, so I think it's all about the drawing. Who, who are we going to play and, and draw versus next season? Because Real Madrid will also be a good team. Yeah. Um, I, I think it's difficult, though, because I think now that getting to the final, I think people will... I think that will give the... It will make it a lot easier, especially also the fact that we beat the likes of Wolfsburg on the way last year. That monkey is now off the back. What the ideal would be, and again, it's unlikely, but the idea would have been to face Leon as well this season, I think. And because Leon aren't as good this year and are in a transition season, and beating them this year would have taken that monkey off the back as well, because they're inevitably going to invest and inevitably put a lot of money in. Real Madrid, I think, are going to be they're going to be difficult to beat, but I think you know they should still be beatable next year. Um, I think you know, next year it's going to be Barcelona are going to be the ones to be shot at. What will be really interesting is to see how much Paris Saint-Germain can retain of their squad. Because now they've won the league. I think is Enla's already said she's off and is being linked with Lyon. A number of them are already being linked with, you know, other clubs. So it's potentially that side is just going to end up decimated. And potentially PSG are going to be a much weaker sort of opposition, even though they've just won and they're defending the league. Yeah, I suppose the, the worry for me is being left behind by you know, these clubs in Europe who are signing, you know, very, very good players um, now and we seem to be perhaps dragging our heels a little bit. Um, Jane, just quickly before we finish the midfielders, I want to talk about G, who, you know, as we mentioned, at 31 now, coming towards the end perhaps of her time, but she's been such an important signing in the history of this club, hasn't she? Yeah, well, I think G is the sort of player that has made such a big impact over the years since she's signed and she would be diff- difficult to replace as a player like just the way she plays, not all games she comes out brilliantly. Some games she doesn't put all her best out, I don't think. Then the games that she does play brilliantly, she really does make a difference and we do need her there. Mm. Yeah, she's a very unique skill set that she has and you know one that's going to be difficult to replace. Um, we're going to go for a short break now. And when we come back, we're going to look at our you know, striking options and then round up with our... You know, dream targets and realistic targets for this summer window. Um, so join us after this very short break. Real fans, real opinions. I'm Jason Cundy, and you're listening to the Chelsea Football Fancast. Up the Chelsea! Welcome back to the transfer special episode of Wentzmo Kings Meadow. Let's go straight into our strikers then, Jane. Gonna say who have we got, but you know, what superstars have we got? Should be a better way to put this. So in attack, Emma can choose from Sam Kerr, who's 27, Frank Kirby, who's 27, Peniel Harder, who's 28, and Beth England, who's 27. I'd say a heavily stacked area, you know, potentially the current World Player of the Year in Frank Kirby, you know, the last two winners in Kerr and Harder, the current Golden Boot winner for the WSL, our top scorer for the season before in Bethany, England. Um, Jane, you'd think this is the one position we're going to leave alone this summer, wouldn't you? Yeah, I think like this position and the goalkeeping position, I will be very shocked if we do get another attacker signed. There is obviously the rumours of Lauren James come in which will I don't see why we need another forward player when you've got them four and there's always one that is left on the bench for a game so for us to try and rotate them four bringing more players in in that position is just going to make Emma's job harder yeah Rob Jane mentioned obviously Lauren James you know there's rumours don't go away um, every time she posts she's coming down to London obviously to her family people think she's signing for Chelsea um mm-hmm. I was impressed by her during the game at Kings Meadow when she was on the left. Um, I felt she could do a, you know, a very good job in that role on a 4 2 3 1. Do you think you know, mm. the age of the strikers are all 27 or 28, sort of looking for the future and you know, maybe taking a bet that Lauren James is going to reach a similar level? I think there's a couple of things with the Lauren James aspect of it. Firstly, um, she is without a doubt the best young English attacker to me apart from maybe Everly Salmon um, at the moment. Number two, it is a, having spoken to people that like know the fan player and the family very well, 
it is a location aspect thing. She wants to be closer to the family. And number three, it's a unique marketing opportunity for Chelsea to have two siblings playing for the club, being, you know, top young players and going to become top players on both sides of it. She is herself, again, also a Chelsea fan. So I think, you know, this one is likely to happen. Um, from what I understand, it's now more of a case of the financial side of it and also United sorting out a replacement at their end. Uh, whether it's the right move or not for the player, I'm not sure, because I think she needs regular minutes. Um, but sort of time will sort of tell in that regard, I suppose. Again, Manchester United will have Alessia Russo back next season and they will hope she is, you know, able to stay fit because she's very, very, you know, well regarded and again, may end up being the one that got away from a Chelsea perspective, potentially, in the future. But I think it then adds a ripple effect because you then have to look at the other positions and say, okay, well, if you've got one coming in, you expect one to go out somewhere. Um, There are, you know, rumours around Gura Wrighton, rumours around Beth England. I haven't seen anything around Erin Cuthbert, but I'm sure, you know, if she became available, there'd be clubs interested. I'm not suggesting that I think she would. I think she's probably, out of those two, the most stable. So to me, it's probably pointing to one of England or Wrighton leaving. I know Beth England wants to stay, but it's difficult. She has, however, got a long contract. And I know Sam Kerr still hasn't extended until further than the end of next season. So maybe the club can hedge the bets, see if Beth will go on loan for a year somewhere to play regular minutes and then have her ready to come back in if Sam Kerr, you know, isn't going to extend. Yeah, we're going to sort of come back another day and do some sort of who's going to stay, who's going to go for the squad. Um, Mia, I want to talk to you about uh, Penilla Harder, who, as you said last season, signed to win Chelsea in the Champions League. Obviously, that didn't quite happen. Uh, she had a couple of good chances, missed in the final. Uh, and people were a bit upset with her, but, you know, do you feel there's, there's more to come from her? And how does Emma Hayes get the more out of her? Mm. Yeah, I mean, uh, this is uh, this is a topic that we are going to have different opinions uh, on. And I think it's like this also. Um, we have to remember that Magda and Penilla just signed a contract that uh, is due in 2023. So um, it's it's not, has nothing to do about them being happy at Chelsea or, or something like that. But I wouldn't be surprised if they both left next summer, uh, because they they might want to try uh, another league in another country. Uh, that's one aspect of it. But I I think I know that uh, since I've been I've been seeing Penilla Harder play football since 2012. Uh, of course, no uh, no one has seen the best of her yet. And I think it's about, you know, coming in this time, she will have a full preseason uh, with Chelsea. Um, if she is a starter um, in a starting eleven, which I would be very surprised if she wasn't, she's going to play uh, from start this season to come. And that will probably uh, sort things out. But I still am... I still agree with with many uh, of the opinions that I don't think that a four four two formation for Penil Harder is is the best um, uh, way to to get the best out of her. Uh, just like I don't think that G is not a player that should play uh, as a defensive midfielder in front of Jonah Anderson because mm-hmm. we all have seen what that has. Uh, led, yeah, led up to as well. Out, out of interest, if Chelsea brought in a another defensive midfielder and could play a three-four-three, no, four-three-three. Sorry, with two defensive midfielders, would you want Harder in the front three, or would you want her as the other midfielder in the roaming number ten role? No, in the front three, I think a four-three-three. It depends also because Chelsea English football is not about uh, that free role we are talking about. Uh, if you give a player, if you if you watch the Frau Bundesliga or, or um, Primera Ibadrola and even the Swedish league where Penilla Harder really bounced off her career, 
that was a free role. She could do whatever she wanted. So talk about a free role. Yeah, I, I don't know what a free role is in English football because I think the culture and the and you know the history of English 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 football is more structured. And I'm not saying it's a bad thing because obviously Penilla Harder uh, is uh, intelligent and have been following Chelsea long enough to. Uh, but then we come down to to this. I mean, um, we we come back to this uh, thing that happened uh, in the two legs uh, versus Wolfsburg and and Bayern because then. I said it uh, before those games as well. You have another chance to fix what was not right uh, from the first leg to the second leg. But in the, in the Champions League final, you don't have that chance. You have to, uh, and and then I I can say, okay, was it is G uh, a midfielder that should play to um, protect a fullback that we know isn't. Uh, top level for, for that uh, occasion. Um, I think players and formation should be used um, in European top football, not uh, necessarily in the WSL because that, that, that it works. But in top level European football, you have to be able to change formations or use the players uh, where they are at their best. Because Frank Kirby and Sam Kerr, I don't necessarily think that they were outstanding in, in the final of the Champions League, but they have been outstanding in the English League and in the Continental Cup. Yeah, I think you need almost two Chelsea teams, one for the WSL and then you know, another one that yeah. you use, another mentality using European football. Um, exactly. Yeah. I, I agree, and I think that's where we... At the moment, we're a bit behind Barcelona. And the Barcelona can afford to basically rotate two entire 11s. They've got an 11 that are plenty good enough to win the Spanish League. I've said my opinion on the Spanish League before. It's still not changed. I think the lesser teams in the Spanish League are still worse than the lesser teams in WSL. But the top teams in the Spanish League, I think, are on are still on a par with, um, you know, top sides. But they're still a long way behind Barcelona. In the same way in the French League, there is Leon and PSG ahead of absolutely everyone else, and no one else is getting near them. And in WSL, I don't think we're ever going to be afforded that. I don't think we're ever going to see a spot where, say, us or City or Arsenal or United ever, you know, surge ahead of everyone else because of the level of investment being so equal at all of the sides, or at least in theory, should be equal. Um, I think, you know, once we get to a point now, if we start looking at the side, I think you nowadays could say we've maybe got half of the squad maybe three quarters of a squad where you could rotate it in into WSL and win most WSL games but it's about having this final extra you know if we bring in as I said earlier that world class extra right back option which means you can push Charles into left back and then as sort of the cover at left back um, and then you've got you know Carter as a cover option if you bring in that extra centre back so that you can rest Magda and Millie if they need a break before a big game stop injuries if you've got that extra midfielder that you can bring in for the big games, it's about, for me now, bringing in the right quality around the squad rather than just padding it with players unnecessarily. Because if we really want to take a punt on a player, in my view, you, you know, there's good, sort of, you know, good young players in the academy and they deserve a shot. Because so far, I will say, uh, when I've watched Georgia Fox and Beaver Jones, Beaver Jones looks a bit raw, but you can see the quality is there. And Georgia Fox looks excellent. She looks like a really, really good player. What impresses me about Fox is she looks very um, composed on the ball and very calm. And that can only be a top asset in a young player. Yeah, obviously they weren't mentioned in, in the squad list because they're not on, on Chelsea's squad list on the page, but they did play a part last season, largely due to the fact that um, there was no academy football for them, number one. And, and number two, you know, the, the squad, I believe, is short of, of depth. To, to fill the bench. So, you know, as you know, was mentioned, you know, filling that squad out with squad players may be the role that the route they take. However, I think they do need to be a bit ruthless and say, you know, we love Sophie Ingle, but we need a better defensive midfielder. You know, we love the fullbacks, but you know, as we see in the final, the quality was not there. So we need, you know, better quality there as well. But we'll see what Emma and Chelsea do. I think the investment's there for sure. 
Um, whether or not they get the right signings remains to be seen. But let's sort of give our sort of our dream signing and our realistic signing. And so, for example, if I had a dream signing, it would be uh, Caroline Graham Hansen because she's Caroline Graham Hansen, so she's a dream. Uh, realistic, yeah, I think is Bon Matty. I think she's going to be available. I think England's going to go to to Barcelona from Wolfsburg. That potentially frees her up. I think it's between us and is it Leon that she was rumoured with. So we'll see. Um, Jane, I'll come to you first because you're first on the screen. Um, one player I'd like to see Chelsea is Chloe Kelly. I just like the way she she's like played at Man City. Obviously, she's picked up that injury. I was looking forward to her hoping to go to the Olympics to see how she got on there. Mm. So, yeah, I'd love to see her. And I think that could be a potential signing Chelsea do make in the future. Um, I don't really know about another signing. I didn't really think about it. See if it comes to you. We'll go, we'll go to Mia. Yeah, I'll have a think. <laughs> yeah, a dream signing uh, would be, uh, I think, Mappi Leon from Barcelona, was... the centre-back. Yeah, that's who I was going to say as well. Yeah, <laughs> I, I think, um, yeah, that, that would be a, a dream signing. Realistically, I think that um, I don't think there is um, too many players uh, available this summer. Um, but I, yeah, I just say Bonmati as well. Um, I think it's it's realistically like Rob said that uh, players will leave Barcelona um, because they have won it all and they want a new challenge. Um, so, yeah, Rob, we'll come to you. you. You've got to pick a different dream player. I'm sorry, but you can have the no, same realistic one if, if that's the case. No, that that's fine. I I mean the the dream player in that case. Then I'll go for Lena Urbadorf because I think if you bring in Lena Urbadorf and you can keep her sort of happy at the club, you've got the sort. Of, I think who will end up be the best defense midfielder in world in sort of world football over the next ten years. And it is the again. I don't like drawing comparisons to the men's game, but it's the sort of thing where if you're sort of looking at a player when Chelsea signed Kai Harvitz last year on the fact that it came a situation where he was available and the talent was known to be there. And although it was viewed they overpaid, you know, over time it's going to prove to be worth it. Um, it you know, with Elbedorf, I think you have to pay a lot of money at this moment in time. But I think you would, either you move her on in a few years' time and you get a huge transfer fee for her, because I think that will, you know, only continue to inflate as well. Or alternatively you um, sort of, uh, you have the top player in that position for X number of years. Um, as for a realistic signing, I'll go for, yeah, I'll go for my, so Myla Tissier, sort of a good option, can play across uh, the defence, is only going to get better, has had a stellar first sort of, you know, year in WSL and as impressed as a very good defender in a side that don't necessarily keep the most clean sheets in Brighton. And I think if you have that and you put them alongside, you know, Magda Eriksson, that suddenly is going to be infinitely better for the player and they're just going to gain confidence. And the age as well is on, you know, the side. So it's creating that long-term replacement as well. Yeah, interesting choices. Jane, last chance. Emma's on the phone right now. I've got to tell her who you want to sign. <laughs> I, can't think, I can't think of anyone, like, off the top of my head. So I'm just going to have to say Chloe Kelly. Okay. Fair enough, Emma, we're happy with that. Um, please bear in mind that today is Sunday the 20th of June 2021. Um, so when you listen to this, it might not be that date anymore. Um, and some players might have been sold, some players might have been signed that we haven't mentioned or we've mentioned to sign and they sign for somebody else. Um, we don't have a crystal ball. If we did, we'd tell you everything that's going to happen. Uh, apart from the lottery numbers, which I'm going to keep to myself, um, right, and I think that is all we've got time for this week. Um, we'll be back next time probably to look at the current Chelsea squad and decide which players we want to sell, which players we want to keep, which players we potentially want to loan. Um, if you haven't signed up to our Patreon yet, then please do so. That's where you're going to hear all this content over the summer first, including a series of interviews this summer, which we'll give you the details of very, very soon. Um, all that leads me is to thank you know, Jane. Always a pleasure. I'm excited to see what comes, who comes in this summer and what Chelsea do with their squad.
yeah, it will definitely be interesting to see what what signings we bring in, who goes out, and what Emma's sort of like starting eleven will be next season. Yeah, and also what we do this summer. That's also very exciting. But um hush, hush Yeah, lots now. of exciting things to come. Yeah, Mia, always a joy and a delight to have you on. Um thanks so much for, for joining us and giving your insight into not just the Swedes, but you know, European players in general. Thank you. And Rob, I hope you don't I hope you don't freeze too freeze too much in England. Otherwise you can always summer. come to Sweden and, and get some summer heat. If there was on the green list, I think we could we could yeah. make, make the flight, but um they don't like us going abroad at the minute. Yeah, uh, Rob, yeah, thank you so much. You definitely proved your worth over the course of the episode uh, and got that contract extension for sure. I'm d- delighted. Yeah, no, it's always good to sort of, you know, chew the fat and chat about it. And again, it's nice to know that when I was, t- you know, I consider me to be an expert when sort of the fact that we both, you know, had the idea of the same dream signing, that to me is, you know, a big, big credit. I can go to bed happy tonight. <laughs> yeah, frame that and put it on the wall, Rob. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, let us know sort of your dream players, the players you want to see Chelsea sign. You can do that on social media, mainly on Twitter. We're at Moking Meadow. I'm at D Mears. James at Jane Chapel X. Uh, Mia is at Mia underscore Erickson. And Rob is at RJP Journalism. Uh, we're also on Instagram at Winter and Kings Meadow. And don't forget, of course, if you want to hear this content first and foremost, you need to be on Patreon. Um, yeah, the details are going to be in the description for the episode. So make sure you check it out. Um, yeah, keep in touch. Let us know what you want to see Chelsea do. Uh, But until next time, from Kings Meadow to Wembley, keep that blue flag flying high.